Forte, and for four years of my life, I was part of a cult. The organization looked nice and sweet on the outside, but it did a lot of damage to many people on the inside. After sharing my experiences with others, they helped me come to terms with the fact that we were in a cult, and now I speak out about that trauma while giving others a chance to do the same. Welcome to my podcast series, I Was in a Cult. Welcome back to I Was in a Cult. It's your boy Forte. And uh, as I mentioned, we are now going to air part two of Chris's interview. Um, it's been a pretty good one so far. Just hearing his stories some of the practices that he had to follow while in the cult, especially when he was in uh, grade school, middle school, high school. Like, I mean, all of it is just, you know, fascinating that people really felt like things had to be done a certain way, you know. Just hearing all of that is, again, fascinating, but also kind of saddening because it's like when your life is ran by rules, when it's ran by guidelines and policies, the control, the manipulation, the gaslighting that comes with it, it's just really sad to see. But when someone can step away from it and say, this is really fucked up and this isn't some, something that I need to be a part of. I mean, there's joy in there. There's peace in there. Like, I mean, you know how people usually rejoice when a person comes to the Lord. I rejoice when someone realizes that they were in a toxic situation to begin with and they need to walk away from it. it brings me delight. Now, Chris is still a believer, so... He and I do not see eye to eye there, and that's okay. I need people to understand that my decisions and my choices to walk away from the faith were just that, mine. And I'm not here to convince someone else to leave the faith if it works for them. As long as the faith that they are a part of um, emulates the Jesus of the Bible that was kind and compassionate and stood up for people who were being abused and bullied and victimized and shamed. It's just overall as a whole, the worldview, the faith, the belief system is not one I can be a part of because I don't see all of us having an equal um, footing. I don't see us all having a seat at the table. And so if my friends can't be at the table, I'm not going to be at the table either. I've said that multiple times and I stand by it. If we all can't be at the table, I won't be there. But when others are there and they are making a conscious effort to help those who are in need, I'm here for that, as long as they are inclusive. But again, that's my own belief. That's my worldview. That's my system. And I'm not here to convince someone otherwise. You have to do what's right for you. But don't be in religion because your parents told you to. Don't be in religion because your friends told you to. Don't be in religion because you're afraid of what will happen, what you will lose, or anything like that if you choose to walk away from it. Nah, that's not love. That's abuse. Do not allow yourself to be abused by somebody else. So now that I've gone on this rant that is irrelevant to everything else that <laughs> uh, takes place in this interview, we're going to go ahead and jump back into it. Trying to, I mean, there, there was something that you mentioned, and I think um, I just want to make sure I, I go back to it or whatever. I think um, 
man, it, it'll come back to me at some point. But even what you just said right there, just thinking about the buzzwords, just thinking about certain things and how you have specific things you would say, you know, to kind of to, to keep people in line. You say certain mm-hmm. things and if someone says something, bam, it was like, oh, I did something wrong or something like that. You weren't able to have a free thought, a free action or anything like that without a consequence. Um, it was all about appreciation and gratitude and having to repent immediately once you did something wrong. But it's just like, you know how... But did that you know, really when, change your heart? No, it really didn't. No, it but didn't. you did it, and, it <laughs> and because you and because you did that, it was like all is well. Okay, you know you're you're good. So after a certain point, you're asking for forgiveness, which is what we had to do, so that you could get you know to have the heat taken off of you. Yeah. But see, a lot of us genuinely, you know, like I mean, it's you would have some people who you know bless their hearts because they they truly. Um, fought like hell to you know say no i'm not going to do that i'm not going to ask for forgiveness you're not going to try to shame me for something and you know like again we can use your brother-in-law again in jack's situation with his ex-girlfriend with the hugging and stuff like that everyone took offense to when the founder said oh wow she was pretty busy making it seem like she was a hoe basically they slut shamed her on hugs bro like i mean that was the weirdest thing of all to sit there and shame someone for side hugging Somebody, but you're using the right but word there. Shame. Yeah, that's shame. That's, Absolutely, that's how you control people is making them feel yeah. shame for things. Shame, right. shame's not cool. But, guilt, guilt is okay because you did something. Shame is not from actually doing anything wrong. It's it's pulling things in that shouldn't be there to begin with. But see, guilt can be manipulated as well, and sure. that's the biggest thing. You might feel something you're like, and people could feel guilty for side hugging. And so that's the thing they used <laughs> they used guilt while they were shaming people to try to bring them back in. But this is one of those times where they were just like, "Nah, dog, we're not we're not, we're not going to sit here and feel bad about something that really shouldn't." Like, I mean, this is ridiculous, and it got intense. It got heated, and now there's yelling and arguing, and like, I mean, I've never heard this person their voice raised as high as it did. I never heard you know Jack say, "You know, I'm tired of made, you know being made to feel like crap over." a side hug or all this other stuff. It's like, you guys keep finding things to try to, you know, hold against me. Like, I'm tired of you, like blasting me in front of everybody, blasting us in front of everybody. It's just, it's uncalled for. And the founder was so offended. Now he's upset and arguing. And this is the one time where the son did something where everybody was like, huh? Well, he's not them. He's not, he's not a bad egg. And this will be the one time where, you know, people will, you know, (laughs) will probably say that because he was just like, let's just, everyone just, we're we're just going to throw it out there. Raise your hand if you feel the founder said something that was offensive or the way that he handled that was wrong. Everybody raised their hand. Every (laughs) single person raised their hand because finally we got to speak out against something Mm -hmm. that was just fucking ridiculous. At this point, it's like, okay, side hug, bro. Like, I mean, seriously, this is a little bit too much. But even with that, you have cult leaders who, when, uh, when they are addressed, when they are approached when someone tries to hold them accountable when they Matthew 18, 18, 19, when they try to bring it up to you and you don't want to listen and then they bring someone else involved and they bring everybody in on this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like you try to, you know, bring this to their attention because a transgression has been made. Cult leaders are above the law. They yeah. are above the scripture at that point. They will not hold themselves accountable. They will no. not own up to what they did. And even if they did, they will find a way to flip it right back at you. Because in this instance, 
when we raised our hand and he was so like like amazed that everybody kind of went against him he was like okay fine i was wrong will you for- please forgive me that is the forgiveness method there you admit that you did something wrong and then you say yeah please forgive me you cannot say sorry because what is the sorry you know what is an apology going to do kind of thing and that's still something i'm trying to deprogram not necessarily whole forgiveness thing like fuck that no but still the whole um don't apologize to me because you you know why are you apologizing you did something wrong but like at the end of the day like what does it mean for me to hear you apologize to me just don't do the thing anymore kind of thing but when he, you know, admitted and asked for forgiveness, he then said, but you two raised your voice and you guys had a temper and you lashed out and you shouldn't have done that. You need to ask for forgiveness. Oh. What? Like, huh? Like, how did you immediately do that? And they, you know, That's they did it again the because word. they didn't want to eat. Exactly. Because they know that if you don't do it right then and there, that's going to be used against you. And they will wear you down to where you have two options. You either repent or you go home. And it could have been something stupid, like a side hug that would have got them sent home. Like, it's just ridiculous how the shame, the guilt, the manipulation, the gaslighting and all this stuff is used by people who claim to be loving, who claim to look at this, you know, whole group as a family. They claim that we are a big family and, you know, we love one another and all this other stuff. But yet you keep using this brutally, like, like it's just this really gut-punching tactic to shame people into you know doing your bidding and stuff like that and there was no love at all to maintain and i think dominance. the thing that you know yeah and i think the thing that you know i think i think that's the biggest reason why i have been so like i've been going gung-ho as much as i have towards them is because not once has either um the founder or the wife or the son owned up to what they have done outwardly to everyone the same way that they asked us or wanted us to do that so it makes me think of one of two things either one they don't believe they did anything wrong or two they thought that enough time has passed to where they um have gotten away with it and people wouldn't bring it up and i think that's a big reason as to why um there's a lot of you know there's still a lot of friction there because they won't they will not outwardly own up to what they've done they will put people they'll throw some things in to kind of you know throw off the scent or they'll try to make people feel all warm and fuzzy we did a zoom reunion and you know and everybody relived you know a lot of stuff that you know that happened the good the positive hey tell us what's going on with your life but not once did they say well let this be a place of healing because i know a lot of stuff that happened let's talk about some (laughs) of the things we experienced why because they know if they open it up to you know 50 60 people who are in that zoom meeting and give them an opportunity to share how they were hurt or impacted or anything like that you would never end that zoom call that zoom call would be going on now and the zoom meeting started two years ago um it would still be going on now so it makes me feel like um they're never going to own up to it because either they don't believe anything was wrong or they feel like they have gotten far enough away to where they don't have to say anything because it's never going to hit them. Now, one person, I will say this, um, one of the members of the organization, you know, one of the family members, a daughter had reached out to some of the, you know, people who've been interviewed. She reached out to Jack. She reached out to Carrie. She reached out to, I think a couple other people, um, and wanted to talk to them about, you know, their episodes mm-hmm. and stuff because she heard their stories and um, and she wanted to, you know, I don't know, make amends or she wanted to hear what they had to say so that if, you know, if amends needed to be made, it could happen. 
And it just seemed like it was a great, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity and things like that. And then boom, it just fell off. And I think the reason why it fell off the way that it did, because first off, it's not a knock against your brother-in-law, you know, cause Jack is still my boy. Like I call him my cousin, you know, to this day, he's, you know, that that's, that's family. I love Jack. And it's not a knock against Carrie because Carrie's one of the sweetest people I know. And, you know, she's an amazing person and stuff like that. No knock towards either of them. Those are easy targets, though. They're not conversations. Those are easy Exactly. And the conversations that were had, and she's still like, I mean, she still probably caught heat from, you know, both of them. She probably didn't expect it either, but she figured, hey, this might be an easier one to start with. But the minute the heat starts turning up, you don't start having these conversations with people anymore. And all of a sudden it's just like, huh, maybe I need to back off because if I start asking, if I, if I reach down, if I dig deep enough, I'm going to hear some things that I really don't want to hear. And that's why I'm frustrated. I'm not frustrated at the fact that she didn't reach out to people like Daniela. She didn't reach out to people like Jen. Um, or Joanna or anything like that. And I mentioned these people by name specifically because they've been interviewed and because their stories, remembering what was shared in their stories makes me think that they were the ones that should have had this conversation with the daughter, but never happened. But it makes me realize that the reason why those conversations never happened is because you were not going to be prepared for what they had to say. (laughs) And I think you got out of it quick enough to where you made it seem like, Hey, I did my part. I reached out. I had some conversations and they went well. But you got out soon enough to where you didn't have to have these difficult conversations, but you can still say, well, I still reached out. No, you reached out to people that were easy. You reached out to people that you could have that conversation and feel good about yourself. Because if you did the actual work you needed to do, you would have talked to someone like me to start with. And there's nothing, there's not a lot that she did towards me that would warrant her to her and I to even have a conversation. But she knows that her and like, like we've talked about her multiple times that enough people have talked about what she has said. And I seen it. I've heard it. I've experienced it enough to where it's like, I believe everything you're saying. But the reason why she won't have that conversation with someone like me is because she knows it. I'm not going to let her off the hook. And the people that she will not talk to will not let her off the hook. And I think that's a big reason as to why, you know, these people get a, get away with what they're doing is because they will find, you know, very, you know, crafty ways to have the conversation that they need to have, but not really have the conversation that they need to have. But enough work to where it's like, well, see, I did X, Y, Z, but, I, you know, but you didn't do the ABC yeah. part. You did the end part here because that was easy, but you need to start here and do what needs to be done. And, you know, it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, look, all right, I commend you for trying. But this is not going to be an easy thing. And if you really want to have the, you know, the people's opinion of you change to where it's like, you know what, you did a lot of shitty things to us, but you actually went back and did the work to kind of, you know, fix it, regardless of whether or not you think the stories um, or the impact, whatever, was done by your family members and not you. You're still a part of that family. You're still a part of that staff. You need to know what happened. You need to know how these people feel. So that they can hear, because they're not going to hear, they're not going to listen to us. They won't listen to the podcast. They won't listen to any of the episodes, but they'll listen to you. That's why I'm just frustrated at the fact that she stopped, because had she had continued and did what she needed to do and gone through all of the work and did that, maybe one day there could be, you know, healing for a lot of other people. But because she stopped, now she's blocked the healing that could have happened between, you know, this person and that person. And there's a ton of people there who definitely need that and deserve that. 
and she just you know she backed away before it got too you know hot on her end and that's frustrating we got some we got some corporate reconciliation from the church um in yeah. a roundabout way uh it, it started with the first uh three hour three and a half hour sermon on christmas eve in 1994 um when the pastor general came down to uh, that's what we called him pastor general because he was the general of the pastors i don't know if anyone else uses that term but we did um, never heard it but <laughs> and he he came down and i mean he basically said you know we've we have caused hardship on people trying to put demands uh on them that that god never intended to do and they worked very hard um in the the years following that the first few years to distance themselves from old from old behaviors um there were many interviews where they said you know what we harmed our people um and i think that contributed to families like my family who were able to say okay you know what um that's good you know we were able to move on in some ways i think i struggled with it more than either my brother or my sister simply because of my age and there were a lot of other other factors but um they 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 would apologize um and i've had conversations with my old pastor from that church and he apologized and said you know we we just we missed the mark chris we we missed we we misunderstood and we you know we hurt you guys inadvertently and i'm sorry and so i've had some of those conversations and i think that's helped me in my own way but that's the problem freddie is if you if you can't say i'm sorry and if you can't um uh be sincere in wanting to make amends um then all that does is just reinforce the idea and the thought that um it was all a game to you in the first place and you don't really think that there's much to apologize for um i mean apology's hard sometimes i've had to apologize to my children to my wife for for very bad decisions and and making mistakes and it's hard to do but if you truly love the people that you're that you've hurt then that's what you do um and that's where you find true repentance and that's where healing starts healing starts when people can admit a wrong has been done someone was responsible for it and we're now going to change course we're going to turn a different direction and we're going to try to walk hand in hand um, as brothers or sisters down this new path together uh, and build a new kind of relationship. And that's where cults and ministries that have a lot of control just can't seem to do that. It's so hard for them to just stop and say, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. You know, maybe it was in the best of intentions, but they were still mistakes that hurt kids young adults and we need to fix it we can't change it but what we can do is acknowledge it and maybe we can start to rebuild a relationship or at least give someone the dignity that what they thought was going on wasn't just you know they weren't dreaming it up it was real it was something that actually happened was really hurtful and then you can move on and until people do that there's no chance Agreed. And, you know, and it's just like at this point in time, like a new generation has been born 
after, you know, the people that were in the organization and the failure to own up to what has been done and, you know, to hold themselves accountable, the lack of accountability and stuff like that has now impacted another generation. Mm -hmm. There are still things that I'm trying to deprogram myself so that I'm not passing that shit on to my kids. I have to work. I have to do the work, you know, like generational curse is a big thing. And, you know, I, I can only speak on myself, my culture, my community in the black community. You know, we look at generational curses um, with how we discipline our children, how we talk to our children, how we talk about our children in front of other people and things like that. Um, a lot of different things that are having to be broken because they're being passed down um, from generation to generation. I have to break generational curses within my own family in order to make sure that I'm not damaging my kids because I see them doing some things and I'm just like, oh man, mm-hmm. they got that from me. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. But now I also have to look at the things that I learned in the organization and have to scale back and I have to realize what did I just say? Because what I said right here might be something I learned from them and it is damaging and I have to do, you know, I have to do damage control. The reason why it's extremely frustrating that these people will not own up to the things that they did to us is because it's now being passed on to other generations and the ones who are sitting there that are just eating up everything they did. It was a great, I had a great experience and all this stuff. And yeah, they, they didn't do everything the right way, but um, you know, they're just humans and, you know, they make mistakes and that right there. Yeah, that's fine. You, you admitted the part you admitted there was correct because they are humans and because they make mistakes, but do they know that? Do they know yeah. that they made mistakes? Do they know that they messed up? Do they know that they have caused psychological damage? Do they know that there are people that I have interviewed or that will be getting interviewed that are going through therapy because of the stuff that they're going on? Do they yeah. know that it is really hard for people to have interactions with people of the opposite sex without thinking about these specific rules and guidelines and stuff like that? Do they know that they have caused damage to people where they've had what I've called an extended adolescence and they never fully grew up, but yet they are almost 40 if they're not in their 40s trying to navigate through this and they have kids of their own? And it's just like so many things that they have contributed to that have had a negative impact in these people and they won't say anything. They've just gone completely off the grid and will not say anything. That's the frustrating part. That's the thing that's extremely frustrating because it's just a matter of everybody else is having to do the work and pick up the pieces and put themselves back together when they weren't the ones that damaged themselves in the first place. But these people were able to do that. Well, we gave you scholarship. We gave you a cruise. You found your future spouse here. You did all of these things. We did all this stuff. If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have X, Y, Z. But if it wasn't for you, a lot of us probably wouldn't have this shit that we have to deal with and, you know, deprogram and, you know, the process either. It's just the baggage that you've yeah. given us just because of those perks that came along with it. It's not worth it. Bro, I was 200 pounds. I was 200 pounds when I joined the organization. I'm 330 <laughs> now. I injured myself doing a backhand spring. Now they didn't ask me to do this. So I'm not saying that part of it was their fault. I can own up to why I've gained all the weight that I've gained. But think about this. I was small. I was active. I was I was quick. I tried to do a backhand spring and I cut it too soon. And when I came down, I cracked my knee and that was it. I can't run properly anymore. I feel bone against bone. Like my meniscus is torn. Like none of that. 
You know when it was that I got surgery? It was 2007 when the injury happened. It was 2017 when I actually got the surgery to try to repair whatever it is that happened. So 10 years had passed. Why did I wait so long, Chris? Do you know why? I can tell you. Um, Because I didn't want to own up to, you know, I didn't want to tell the organization that I hurt myself on the road and then um, they would send me home. They would shame me into, you know, because I got hurt and make me feel awful and stuff like that. That's a stupid reason that, you know, to to hold on to an injury and not say anything about it. But why did you do that? Oh, just previous experience where people were basically dying and needed to go get, um, you know, care of some kind. And they refused to take them to the hospital. Money. Like you didn't have to advocate for you. Like they wouldn't do any of that. Like, I mean, we were volunteers. Exactly. All of that costs money, but it's just a matter of is a, if, is, if this person's health is not as important, you know, I mean, it should be. Why? Why are you neglecting them? Yeah, I, I get it because it costs money. But like, if that person's dead, doesn't that have an impact too? I mean, that's that's kind of a you know that, that's kind of a reason to want to make sure that person is taken care of. Well, ministry's no, there to not, minister to their people, not use their people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that would have been nice too, but yeah, like so. Uh, and, and again the weight gain was not necessarily because, Oh, you know I mean? I, I'm the one, like, I mean, I, I've been so depressed and everything that's going on that I can't walk properly and stuff like that, that I just started eating. And that's how I started dealing with a lot of things emotionally. Hell, I mean, I run a candy and, and, and cookie business now. Exactly. Hey, yeah, exactly. Um, I've, I've been able to, you know, maintain weight, you know, which is, you know, which is a good thing, whatever. But if I, if I don't get it together, I'm going to get diabetes anyway. So, um, but like, the, the uh, stress eating and all the stuff and dealing with depression. I always went to food. That was what, what my comfort was and all of those things. But I mean, I, I could have definitely had physical therapy and, you know, go through rehabilitation and stuff like that. And now I would have been better there. Now would my, you know, would the weight gain still probably happen? Maybe. I mean, you know, weight gain and health issues and stuff like that is a, um, that's a big thing in my family. You know, it, it is what it is, but I would have been a lot better off if I would have had the resources and if they would have definitely made sure that we had what we needed, but they were cheap on everything. They, you know, they made it look like everything was all nice and shiny on, on the outside, but it was all hollow and messed up on the inside. And that's, that was the MO. It was just a matter of, you just had to, you know, go with what they said and Mm -hmm. deal with it and push on and stuff like that. And just so many people had eating disorders. So many people had, you know, health issues. People could have died all the stuff, the fact that nobody died within the organization is still the thing that is crazy to me. You know, it's just, it's, that's the most bizarre thing is that nobody actually died while being a part of the organization because there were a lot of close calls. I mean, I don't know just how so you many all things that didn't have fatal accidents hauling those trailers. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, and I was in one of like, I was a driver, one of those accidents. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I'm surprised we didn't have a fatal accident. I'm surprised we didn't turn and actually go over the overpass and just go there and bam, that's it. No more orange team. But, um, but it didn't happen, but you're absolutely right. Ben, he wrecked a trailer. One of my good buddies, the one that replaced me because we were both black and he ended up taking, you know, my spot and put me on a different team. He wrecked, um, you know, I think just a trailer. I wrecked a trailer. Um, Steve, who I interviewed wrecked a trailer. Like, I mean, there were so many of us, but you know, we've, we had this understanding that they, you know, the weight proportion was just, it was top heavy, you know, in Mm -hmm. front of it. And they just didn't do it properly or whatever. But regardless, it's just a matter of you still have kids driving this thing, man. There was only like lifetime, probably three people maybe that were over the age of 25 in this organization 
period. And, you know, they were the ones driving, but it was just like, it was just kind of crazy how they had 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds driving these things, and they never had that experience before. And you're right. The fact that there were no fatal accidents is still the craziest thing, um, you know, to me that nobody actually died. Now, some people ended up going home. Some people, you know, just like, yeah, I think I'm done after this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot going on there, man. But it's just, Well, you could be trusted crazy. to haul equipment across the country, which you couldn't be trusted to give a, someone a hug. Yeah, the, um, the, as soon as you said that, I knew we were going back to the, yeah, oh, side hug, oh, that's the devil right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, it's it's so bizarre, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, I just hope that at the end of the day, anyone listening to this podcast, anyone that's going through something, anyone that has been a part of a cult or is still a part of a cult and you're starting to realize that now you're needing to get out, my hope is that you get the help that you need. My hope is that you talk to somebody, not just someone in, you know, in the, you know, the, the group that you're in. Um, because that's good too, but also that, you know, builds trauma bonding. And then when one person is depressed and you're depressed too, and it's just, yeah. it's a vicious cycle. Talk to someone on the outside, talk to a therapist, get help because it's not worth it. It's not worth dealing with the, you know, the depression, the downward spiral and where things can go and when your mind can take you and stuff like that, get the help that you need because your health, your mental health is more important than anything else, you know, that that the cult could ever tell you. Any kind of line or anything that's fed to you, um, it ain't worth it. Please get the help that you need. And, you know, as time goes on, yes, I'll relive these things, but I'm also talking to someone and making sure that I'm processing what it is that I'm going through because I realize if left to my own vices, you know, devices, whatever, my mind can go somewhere that it really shouldn't go. It really doesn't need to go there. So it's just a matter of, do what you got to do to make sure that you're okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's also not okay to stay there. Do the work, whatever yeah. that means. Reach out to somebody, reach out to me, reach out to somebody else or whatever. Talk to someone um, that you can trust, not someone that's going to try to sway your opinion and bring you back to the right. other side. Someone that's just going to listen to you and hear what you're saying and validate what you're saying. That's what you <clears throat> That's what you need first and foremost. Then you can kind of build from there. But do not talk to someone who's just going to sit there and justify the things that you went through. I've had some friends uh, from the organization whose parents said, well, I mean, that's just kind of how it was, you know, I mean, you know, it's just to get y'all in shape and discipline you for, you know, things in the future. Yeah. It's like, no, not, not the stuff that we went through. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, do you really care about me that, you know, enough to, to hear what I'm saying and take it at face value and see that what's being said here is really traumatic. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like, because when I say something to you and you say, well, that's just kind of how it was, you know, um, I can't trust you and I can't speak to you about certain things. I had, you know, I had a, um, a friend or well, a family member reach out to me about different family members because I'm going through some things with my, you know, with my parents. Um, and I explained the experience and they were trying to justify, well, I mean, they grew up in a different time. This is just how they were raised. They were trying, you know, they're doing the best they can. Um, yeah, that make it right. I hear you. I hear you. I hear everything you're saying. And I agree. They are doing everything that they know best. And I understand that completely. That has nothing to do with what they did to me and how it affected me. Because, mm-hmm. again, that also plays a part of it. So I was going through traumatic shit with my parents. Then I ended up going through traumatic shit with the cult. Then I went to Liberty University and went through stuff. And then I left there and went to a church. So it's like back to back to back to back. Yeah. And it's just a matter of after a certain point, someone needs to hear and understand that, hey, you've gone through some things. You need to talk to somebody because you're not okay. What you don't want is to 
the whole, well, I don't want something to happen to your parents and then you don't resolve it. And then, you know, things, you know, and, and then you live with the regret game. and stuff like that. It's just a matter of, I hear you. Oh, like, trust me, I don't want this. Do you think I want to not talk to my parents? My, you know, I mean, my dad's birthday was just last week, bro. Like, my dad's birthday was last week, and I didn't reach out to him. I usually make these inspiring posts on Facebook. Didn't do it for, um, for Father's Day. Didn't do it for his birthday. Because we're just not there right now. And he could be listening to this podcast, and my hope is that one day we do get to repair this and we get to move on. Or... We just continue the way things are, and he has an understanding that I will not let anyone in my life that has caused damage and destruction go on and not own up to the damage and destruction that they've done. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, but this person was just, I mean, what they were saying, they had good intentions. They they didn't want the relationship to get worse between me and them, and, you know, they wanted it to be repaired. You know, like, I mean, you got to have them there. Um, you want to make sure that they're there so that, you know, they don't miss out on the things happening in your life. Well, they don't have to miss out, but they have to do the work too. And that's going to be the biggest thing in order for true reconciliation to happen. The victim is not the one that needs to go out and reach out to them and say, Hey, um, I want to repair what's going on. Huh? No, no. The victim can go out and say, you know what? You did some things you need to, you need to do some work because I am more than happy to accept both parents, um, other family members, and some of the cult members back into my life, as long as they admit what they've done, as long as they've committed to doing the work and you can see the fruit of the work that they're doing. But if you can't do that, nah, we're good. You can be on the outside looking in. Usually it's and the I have victim no problem. that has to set the boundaries. And, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But you have and to make it, a decision. It is important. You have to make a decision that you're no longer going to let this hurt you. And you're going to change direction. And, uh, you know, as a father, you know. You don't want to pass the same crap off to your kids, right? Right. You want them to have a different experience. Um, and so doing that doesn't necessarily have to crap all over everything your parents did. But mm -hmm. I think we struggle at times seeing our parents for who they really are, which is just human beings who make mistakes. And if they truly love, then when confronted with that, they they come with apology. They come with a desire to heal with you and to walk alongside with you and to, to try a different path. Um, and if they don't and they're not willing, then you just have to limit the exposure because it's like pulling the Band-Aid off every single time. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's that way in every relationship, but especially when you've been hurt so deeply by someone that's so close to you. Exactly. And, and, and and I think the biggest thing is, and what I want people to gather and understand from this, especially from my own experience or whatever, not everybody has to handle it the way that I'm handling it with my parents. Mm -hmm. I, I, it took months for me to get to that point to where it's like, okay, um, I need to go ahead and walk away from this relationship, at least for now, if not forever. But regardless, this is where I am. Um, not everybody has to do that. If you think you can have a good grasp and you think you, you're, the relationship is worth salvaging, absolutely do what you got to do. But like you said, Victims have to set the boundaries because the the ones who are causing the abuse will not do that. And if they are willing to own up to it, perfect. But the minute someone says, I will not apologize for who I am, that's a red flag and you walk away. Do not let that person say another word. You end it right there. Right. Because that person has shown you who they truly are. And if you try to get this person to change their mind, that is going to drive them insane. And what you will not do if you really want, you know, to have mental health or whatever, you will not allow that person to have another 
foothold, another grass, another anything in your life. Otherwise, they're going to keep doing it over and over again. And that's the definition of insanity. And it's just a matter of, look, I'm already insane because of a lot of the things that I'm dealing with right now on my own. My mental health is completely fucked. And I'm trying to work on that. I really am. I'm working as hard (laughs) as I can. But what I will not do is have someone else add a building block to it and add a brick and add another you know, slab of concrete onto my life to kind of make things worse. That's fine. You don't want to deal with the things that you've done in your life. That's fine. You don't want to deal with the things that you've done in my life. That's fine too. But we do not have to have a relationship if you know that's what you decide. And at the end of the day, you have to make those decisions. So if you feel like a relationship is worth fixing, great, repair. If you feel like that relationship needs to be cut off, do it. And there will be doubt. There will be fear. There will be sadness. It's going to happen. You're going to have those moments where you wish you could get on the phone and call and talk to him about everything that's going on. You wish you could do everything and stuff like that. But ask yourself this one question. Why aren't they doing that? And if you cannot have an answer for that, that's a good enough answer for you to make that phone call. Do not pick up that phone. You throw the damn phone into the water if you have to. Do not force yourself to be the one to repair a relationship that shouldn't have been your responsibility to repair in the first place. It is not your responsibility. It is theirs. And if you give them the ability. In that regard, mm. in that yeah. both of my parents, um, and true, be true to their being because I knew they loved me, uh, we've yeah. been able to have very honest conversation in the past few years about different things that I experienced. And, you know, both of my parents, they love me dearly and, you know, they apologize for some things. And, and, you know, I've rarely seen my father cry in my life. And one of the times that I saw him cry was when he apologized for some of the things that we dealt with as kids. Um, And to me, you know, that's, that's how healing happens. It's a, an acknowledgement and an understanding that, Everybody was doing the best that they could with what they had. And, you know, when it's all said and done, it turns out that some of those things weren't so good. And it's been acknowledged. And, you know, we've been able to move on in a lot of ways. But, you know, I wasn't there a few years ago. I wasn't even ready to start having those conversations. Um, And so you've also got to be yourself mentally prepared to deal with rejection, possibly, when you bring it up. I mean, they... One of them could have said, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. But they didn't do that. They listened. Yeah. And there were things that they weren't even aware of uh, because the the experience as an adult is different as an, uh, from the experience of the child. Um, you know, they were adults. I was a child and things were a lot heavier on my end. Um, so without the healing, without the the opportunity to have an open conversation about it, um, I think that's where people truly show you they love you. It's when they're willing to yeah. sit there, be uncomfortable, hear what you're having to say, even knowing that maybe they caused some of that, whether on purpose or not, and 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 sit in it. Just sit in the shit with you and feel what you're feeling um, and try to hold your hand and walk in a better direction. Um, and so for me personally, I've been very, very blessed to have that. Um, with my family, but I have lots of friends who in some ways are where you're at and, and in some, some places maybe a little better or worse, but you know, they've not been able to have those conversations with their family uh, because they have, because the child has now had their eyes open and they realized it was toxic or it was bad, but the parent is still doing it. And the parent is still saying things like you are 
in, in danger of burning in the lake of fire because you're no longer with me at this church. Um, and so I count myself very blessed. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really surprise me because even um, in growing up and all that legalism and all those chains of bondage and, and all the instructions and the checklists and all that stuff, my parents still showed me regularly that they loved me um, in yeah. the best way that they could, where they were at. And so as an adult, it doesn't really surprise me that I can have those conversations with them. Um, and so I, I know that not everybody can do that. I feel for you. Um, but I, I know that sometimes people just have to have their aha moment and they get it. You like, like, the, like the breaking glass, something happens and it, it suddenly wakes them up and they're like, oh, wait. I did this. I've had that as a father. Like when I see one of my children with a certain behavior, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I did that. I taught them to respond in that way by the way I responded to them. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's hard. Um, I I mean, I, I envy you. Like, I think that's pretty awesome that you're able to have those conversations with, you know, with your parents and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, I mean, my, my story is complicated. I'm from a, you know, I'm from a broken home. My parents divorced. Sure. Um, they didn't divorce until I was a teenager, but they separated, you know, when, I, you know, when we were younger and stuff. And so, you know, I, I had, I had those days where I was in, you know, different homes and stuff like that. You know I mean? At one point, you know, we were living in California. Next thing I know, my brother and I are in Georgia and, you know, everything just kind of changed from there. And oh, it's just like, God, you went you know, from California you know, to Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cold. And, <laughs> well, yeah. And I went from Los Angeles, California to middle of nowhere, Georgia. Now, yeah, I mean, boy. I mean, like literally you cannot like you, you can go on 75 and once you get off 75, <laughs> it's another 30 minutes before you get into the town that you got to get into because you have to go through all of the other backwoods towns to get there. Like, I mean, there's no clear way to get there. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, it really is crazy, but that's where it was. And that, you know, I went to high school there and, uh, you know, um, I, I, I appreciate it. I mean, where I live now in Georgia is a lot better. Um, I'm a lot more grateful for where I am now because, you know, just culturally it's a lot, you know, it's a lot better, but, um, yeah. And the biggest thing is we didn't get to have a discussion about it. You know, we were kids, so I get that, but it's just a matter of, we were told that we were going there so that we could be, you know, uh, become men. And so that my dad could, you know, work with us and everything like that. But you, you, you gave this person, you put this person in charge of our lives who has been gone for four years. And yeah, we talked to him on the phone, but we haven't really, I mean, we may have seen him every, you know, once or twice or something like that, but I mean, he's had no huge role in our life. And now you're like, okay, now he's going to make you men. It's just like, so many things would be a lot better with a relationship between parents and kids if the conversations were there. And I know that it's not, you know, it, it's it's kind of 50-50. There are people like, you know, you that definitely had parents that had conversations. And then there's people like me whose parents didn't. You know, it's just like, I'm the parent. You do what I say, period. You know, we're not talking about it in the discussion kind of thing. Um, and you dare not challenge them because if you challenge them, it, you know, becomes issues. And that's one of the things I have to break because I have a seven-year-old that has so many questions and she challenges everything. Yeah. And I love that little girl because she reminds me of me way too much, but I want to give her the opportunity and the ability to be able to ask questions and get answers and be okay with the fact that she still doesn't understand why she has to do something, even though we've told her to do something. 
And that's hard. That's really hard to break that. It really is hard to get over that. But it's just a matter of it goes back to I didn't have I was not awarded that ability uh, when I was a kid. And it's just, you know, these are things that we're having to work on. So, like, there's a lot there. Parenting and, is a um, conversation. And the sooner yeah. that we realize that, the, the more adjusted our children are. That doesn't mean that as the father or the mother that you don't have the final say in some things. It just means that instead of instead of preaching at or talking to, uh, we have to listen and 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 understand that they're in a different place. Their brains are not where our brains are at. They don't have all the experiences that we have, and so we really just have to be so intentional about hearing their and giving them a voice. You know, respect is always part of it, but giving them a voice um, and and making them feel like they're an active part of their own childhood instead of just having mm-hmm. a list of rules that are on the refrigerator and they're non-negotiable, never don't do this, don't do that, having a conversation. And that's something that with five children that I had to learn the hard way. And, you know, obviously, you know, you've got the two and, and they're younger than mine. Actually, you've got one that's a little older than my youngest, but um, the conversation is so important. And when we're talking about all of these things, cults, abuse, manipulation, you know, whatever the cultural things of the day are, it's having, being able to have a conversation about things instead of speaking at people. Um, You get a dialogue and you're able to talk through things. And if you can understand where someone else is coming from, a lot of times it's a little easier for you to to adjust yourself um, and self-correct. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's fun. It's all, you know, and it's always a fun journey when you're learning things on how to be a better parent, you know, and processing that, you know, your parents could have been better all at the same time. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just yeah. like a ton of praise. Well, I mean, we're going to do, our kids um, are going to do the same thing, right? When they get over, no, I mean, the things that, that parenting is hard. There's thousands of books out there on how to do it. We still are going to make mistakes. It's just when our kids come to us, we have to, to, to hear them in love and try to try to empathize and relate and listen. Um, You know, I, my childhood was not so much like that. Uh, You know, it was more rules, but when the day came for my parents to, to empathize and listen, they did. Um, Yeah. You know, and so they were young and made some mistakes, but now they're older and they know better. And, and, you know, that's, that's how I'm able to find healing because my parents are allowing me to in some ways. And I hope that my, yeah. my kids give me the same um, benefit when they're older and, and they say, you know, dad, when you used to do this thing, um, you know, it really, really hurt me. Or I didn't understand, or, you know, you wouldn't even listen to what I had to say. And I'm just going to have to sit there and say, you know what? I'm so sorry that that was your experience that I made you feel that way. Um, you know, let's, let's make it better. Let's fix it. Let's work mm-hmm. on it. Uh, because I care more about you than I do about thinking that I was right or anything like that. I love you. Yeah. That's important. And that can always, you know, I can find a way to tie that back to things would be a lot better. And I'm not saying that it'll, it'll ever get better. Like, you know, like, Oh, we'll be back, you know, we'll be good and, and buddies and stuff like that. But these organizations that got it wrong, if they were able to listen to the people who they wronged and they were willing to own up to what they did, 
that would go a long way. It still may never, you know, repair the damage that had been done, but at least people would be able to take them serious and believe them that they're trying to repair their themselves and their lives and stuff like that. And um, I think, again, I, I, I truly feel that that's why these cults are thriving the way that they are is because they realize they don't have to hold themselves accountable to anything and they're not the ones wrong and they can try to, you know, they, they throw God in there and they throw religion and they throw hell and all these things in there and they can continue to keep doing what they're doing. And that's why they continue to get away with the stuff that they're doing. And that's extremely frustrating because they have the potential of doing, you know, what's right and what's necessary but they choose not to. Yeah. So for anyone that has been a part of an organization or cult or church or whatever it is you want to call it, and you've been a part of something where they say that you're safe here, they say that you're loved here, but they will never hold themselves accountable for the things that they've done. Run, <laughs> run away and never return. You really aren't safe. Like scars. You're not, you're not because all you are doing now, you're subjecting yourself to abuse and it's only going to get worse. So if you're listening and any of the stuff that's been mentioned here sounds like something you're a part of, run away from it because you are going to hurt yourself as much as they are already hurting you. It's only going to get worse if you stay. I mean, it's just, I, I, I take it from me, take it from experience. It's only going to get worse. Run away. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. To get updates on new episodes, please subscribe. Do us a favor, share the podcast on social media with your friends, family, and enemies. Leave a rating or review for others to be able to discover the content, whatever you want. We just appreciate your time and energy. Thank you again, and have a good one.